0: Then we'll get through the last uh, few as well. And what we've noticed thus far with each one of these, even going back uh, to the very beginning of this uh, passage, back in verse number 12, uh, what we've seen is that all of these things have built upon one another. We have seen two main things, and we'll look at a little bit of it as well today during the service. But we're going to look at the, the, the private life and the public life uh, of our worship, uh, of the Christian life. We have seen that uh, they are not as separated as we often think, but rather the one Builds upon the other. the The private life allows us to live the public life, because ultimately our private life truly always is in public. Because the Lord is always watching, and our private life is always to be uh, to the edification of the rest of the body of Christ. Now, furthermore, our our public time of worship and gathering with the saints and the body, of the bride of Christ, that is to then fill us up, to encourage us, to then go home and to put into practice these truths that we have learned, that we have discussed, that we have sung about, that we have fellowshiped over. And so we find that the two go hand in hand and go round and around and around to, to strengthen us from the inside out and in all parts and facets of our life. And so he builds up upon these things about what the church life should look like. He talks about the private life and the church life, too, being all of these things that rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Here we've had just this long list of these imperatives. And if we're not careful, we sometimes want to just grab the one out of the passage without looking at the rest. But what we've seen is that each one is absolutely dead on in the context of everything that is uh, motivating us. The fact that Christ is coming, that all of these things should mark the life of a Christian, both in private and in public. These things should be the very nature and life of the local church, that of the local church and the, and the, the uh, individual believer should be one of rejoicing, should be one of prayer, should be one of gratefulness, uh, gratitude, should be one that does not quench the work of the Spirit, as we talked about, uh, uh, not last week, but I guess, but the week before, uh, th- this idea of the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, his work within us and through us and for us, us quenching, resisting His work, doing things in the flesh—a multitude of those things that we see—it's sort of suppressing the the Spirit of God. Uh, and so we've got to be very careful of these things. But He then got into despise not prophesying. Now, as we talked about prophecy uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Old Testament prophets had had two offices, as we talked about that their job was was twofold. We normally think of prophecy being a foretelling of future events. That was a mere part of the Old Testament prophets' uh, ministry. The vast majority of their ministry was a foretelling. It was a current, up-to-date preaching of, thus saith the Lord, right? Not necessarily, here's what's going to happen in the future. There was a good bit of that, right? The Bible is full of such. But it was a, this is what God says now, in this moment, today, for you, right now. That's ultimately what preaching is for as well. Uh, the idea in the New Testament of prophecy is often referred to and dealing with and leading up to the proclamation of God's word. It is not necessarily a new revelation, but rather a revealing of the current revelation. It is a preaching and a proclaiming of what God has now spoken and given to us, especially now in light of the gospel. Ultimately, as we've talked about, everything here in the Christian life and in the life of the church uh, is to be Uh, in step with the gospel it is to grow deeper in the gospel It is to go higher and wider with the gospel ultimately we find that every doctrine that we study every part and practice of our life in the church and out of the church is to be uh, for the sake of the gospel now with this we talked about the prophesying. we and we left off here i got it circled here that prophesying is always to be an expression of the work of the spirit through the word of god to the worship of christ this should be celebrated and not despised the issue was this in the early church there in the first, Thess- the Thessalonian church. What it appears is happening is that some folks are starting to despise uh, those who have the gift of prophecy or those who are uh, the prophets himself, if you will, uh, those who are the preachers in the church. Uh, he uh, we give some some allusion to this. <clears throat> if we look back earlier on in the portion of Scripture, you look verses 12 down to 14, and he talks about having um, this sort of. Uh, gratefulness and gratitude, and, and he says, "We beseech you, brethren, to know them, uh, to, to respect, to honor, to care for those that uh, labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly and love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves." Uh, and, and then he goes through the rest that we've already covered. But this idea of the importance of prophecy, this idea, of the importance of the preaching of the word—it is the preaching of the word that God uses. It is the foolishness of preaching. Uh, that, that god uses to bring men and women to christ to strengthen the church to build the church and what we find is that uh, in that day much like today there was bickering y'all ever heard of bickering happen in a church before no not this one right all the other ones now now here's what we know about bickering right it happens to all of us why because we're in the flesh now bickering has a much deeper root bickering normally goes down to pride selfishness greed a multitude of things right Now with bickering, we've got to see is that there's some folks here in the Thessalonian church and the ones over here, they're going, we've got the gift of prophecy. So now there's some folks over there, they're going, well, maybe we're a little bit better than the group over there that's got the gift of tongues, right? And now the folks over here, it's got the gift of giving or the gift of whatever their spiritual gift may be. Now there's bickering about which gift is better and all this stuff. This one's going, well, we got the gift of tongues, so we're better off. We can speak in different languages. We got our interpreter over here, right? We got the whole thing. We're doing all right. And what Paul says to them, he says, despise not prophesying. Why? Because ultimately the building and maturing of the individual Christian and the local church does not happen through the speaking of tongues. Here's what Paul says. He says, I, I could say a million words. Now, Now I'm paraphrasing here an awful lot. But he says, I could say a million words in tongues. And you not understand me, and I've done nothing to build you up. Right? He says, but if I, if I preach, thus saith the Lord, if I give the word of God and what God has spoken. He goes, that's worth something. So the idea here of prophesying, it is a giving forth of what God wants. And what God has spoken. And ultimately, the way that you and I mature as individual Christians is... Not through our own personal gifts, but rather through the gift of the word of God being proclaimed. Now, how is the word of God proclaimed? As we addressed here already, that prophecy is always to be done through the expression of the work of the spirit through the word of God. Where you find the word of God at work, you find the spirit of God at work. Where you find the spirit of God at work, you find the word of God. The spirit of God is always leading us to the word of God to lift up Christ in our life, to reveal Christ in our life. To uh, allow Christ to work in our life, so the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer, and ultimately, if we think about it, the local church. What we find is that He is the power, and ultimately, working and pointing us always to the Word. Now, all these other gifts are good, but if they are being done outside of the Word, then we've got an issue. And so this is why uh, I've people ask me about since we're kind of on the topic a little bit this morning uh, about prophecy and about what Paul said about tongues and all these different gifts that people go well what about tongues today and all this stuff and, and I've got my uh, opinion based upon the scripture I believe first of all that it is a another known language right uh, and nevertheless what we find is that with all these things we're not here to just show forth our spiritual gifts or what God has done through me or what God has gifted me with. Rather, what are our gifts for? They're for the building up of the body. So therefore, what Paul says here is to despise not prophesying. Why? Because preaching is the means by which the Christian the church is built up through exhortation and edification. Now, preaching. Preaching is a very specific thing. Now, we've got teaching, we've got preaching, and we can argue the difference. It has been said that this, that um, teaching is not always preaching. Because it's not. There is a difference, right? But preaching should always teach, right? If you're preaching, if, I, if my preaching, right, is not teaching what the Word of God says, right, first of all, and it is not causing us to go deeper and acknowledge both uh, mentally and spiritually, faithfully, right, if you will, right, faith. Faith is ultimately applying the knowledge of our minds that we've read, we've studied, we've prayed, and a belief and trust within our hearts, within our very being, uh, that God's Word is true. What we find is that that's what builds up the church, the preaching of the Word. This is why we often talk about the, the centrality of the preaching, the centrality of the Word, because ultimately that is what holds us together. That is what we build our life. That is what we build our church upon. And ultimately, it's what the Lord builds His church upon Now, preaching ultimately leads us to worship God and to work for God. Now, preaching should be both exhortation and edification because it should do both of those things at the same time. It should exhort. It should chip away some things in our life, right? it should as well edify us to build us up as we learn to trust the Lord more as His Word is proclaimed to us. And the Spirit of God applies that Word to our heart and opens up our eyes to go, oh, I haven't seen that before. Or, oh, look at what God is speaking to me today, right? Through His Word. What we see is that God builds us up through this. God builds up the individual Christian. God builds up His church this way. And ultimately, this is what God desires to not merely cause us to worship Him, but to work for him. This is why this is often called, and I've, I've referred to the church being, as we gather, sort of a filling station, right? This is the, the spiritual sheets gas station, right? You come in, you fill up, it, you, you gas and go. Now, now here's what happens. With, with the gas station, uh, you can go in, right? You can pull up, get your gas, not say, any, say hi to anybody, and then get back in your car, and then boom, right? You're in, you're out, right? Or you can go in, and this is why I love sheets, right? This is a plug-in. I'm not sponsored by them, okay? <laughs> got a tie clip with sheets on. You go in the sheets, you know what you got? You got your gas, right? You go in, you got made order food, you got prepackaged food. Stay away from that, right? Unless it's the peanut butter jelly or the cheese. Other than that, don't eat deviled eggs from a gas station. Don't eat sushi from a gas station. Don't do it, all right? You're asking for trouble, all right? Now, you go in, and then you know what else sheets has? They got a whole wall of fountain drinks. They've got a whole thing right behind that of ice cream and fizzy stuff. And then around the corner, you know what else they got? They got a place to go in and sit down and eat. Now, how many of y'all take your wife out somewhere nice? You take the to sheets to go sit in the booth? A couple of, okay, yeah. We, we'll be ashamed of that, I guess. A couple of us will be. But nevertheless, you find there's a whole lot offered there, isn't it? Right, that's why I like it. Now, the reason why I say that is because the church offers a whole lot more than what we think. Sometimes though, what we often do with church is this. Gas and go. We're gone. We want to spend as little time there as possible. Now I can understand that about Walmart, right? But we're not talking about Walmart. We're talking about a place where we gather together to be filled up why? so that we within we can go forth. And the preaching of God's word is to do just that. It is to fill you up to go out so that you too, much like they did in the the book of Acts, and much like we are exhorted to do as an individual Christian, that you and I would go out in our individual lives, in our individual homes and families, in our individual workplaces, and we would proclaim the good news to all we see. Ultimately here, the ministry of the local church is to prepare us to go and do more ministry as individual Christians but we do so together. And so this is what we find, that we were filled up by the preaching of the Word. This is the primary means. This is the primary ministry even of the local church, the preaching, the prophesying of the Word. Now the BKC writes, By way of application, Christians should not disparage any revelation that, is sun, that has come to the church and has been recognized as authoritative and preserved by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. The temptation to put the ideas of men on equal footing with the Word of God is still present. Ultimately, what we find with the idea of despise not prophesying is this. Despise not the work of God through the word of God. Now, I'm all about ministry, right? But if ministry is not based upon the word of God, then it's not ministry. It's not ministering, right? It is just an activity. You can go do an activity at a club, at a lodge. You could go to a ball game. You could go do a million other things. That is just an activity. You go to the movies, right? You go play putt-putt. You go to sheets, right? There's loads of activities. But this is not a place of just mere activity. This is a place of ministry. It is a place where we come to be ministered to, and we get filled up so that then we would go and be the ministers to go and minister uh, to, to go and to perform ministry of which God has called us to. Now, the issue in the Thessalonian church, in the early church, and today is this. We've got a lot of things that are happening outside of the Word of God. We're having a lot of ministry, a lot of preaching that is being done, that is based outside of God's Word. We've got an awful lot of the worldly influence that is coming into our preaching, right? How many of y'all ever seen, and y'all would, might would think I'm making this up, y'all ever seen churches that do uh, sermon series based on, on movies? None? Okay, well good, you ain't going to say it here. But the, the idea is this, it, it's, it, it's all the stuff where we just, we dumb down preaching So Christians, we stay dumb, and then we stay needy, and all it ultimately does is instead of lifting up Christ, is that it lifts up the person, whoever's in charge of the church, and they become a CEO, and they're not a pastor. This is not good and healthy for the church. We find that we should be basing all of our preaching, all of our ministry, all of our teaching off of the Word of God, based in the Word of God. And that means all of the Word of God. Any pastor that tells you that we can throw out portions of Scripture is not helping you at all. There's some incredibly popular preachers today, and I will say this, they are much more effective communicators than I will ever be. However, they deny the Old Testament, they reject the, the sufficiency of scripture and the authority of God's word as God's word. And they'd simply say we need experience or we need the academia or we need this, all this other stuff that prove all we need even is what they'll even boil down to is a getting into a very dangerous group, which is uh, we're just a red letter edition kind of Christian. I only need the red letters. I only need Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I want you to know I need more than Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, because all through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus proclaims the rest of the Bible. He gave not only his stamp of approval upon everything that was written before the Gospels, but he gives a stamp of approval about everything that would be written by the Apostles and the Prophets after the Gospels, who would be the men, like Paul here, inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this book. Now, this is important because the very next thing is to prove all things. How do you prove all things? He says this, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Now, let's get into the prove all things first and foremost. How do you prove all things? First of all, by having a high view of Scripture. You cannot have too high a view of Scripture. You cannot have too high a view of God. Anyone that says that you can is foolish. Anyone that say, says you can is, is, I would say, a false teacher that says that you can have too high view of Scripture. We cannot have too high view of the Word of God. This is God's breathed that Word. How can you have too high a view of that? But we can have certainly an awful low view of it, and, and, and a low view of Scripture is going to cause us to have a low view understanding and application of the worship of God and a low desire and motivation to work for God. Now to prove all things here, it is that every prophecy that he's just mentioned, if you will, is to then be tested according to the word. All of life must be held up to the light of the word of God. So here, let's build upon one and the other. Let's see how the two connect despise not prophesying, meaning despise not the preaching of the Word of God and the revealing of the Word of God, the opening up of the Word of God, right? The ministry of the Word of God. Why? So that then we would be able to prove all things. My job, right, my calling, is to preach and teach the Word of God so that you know how to study the Word of God on your own. And this does not mean that you become your own church or that you become your own pastor. That's not what I'm saying here. But it means this, that you would then be able to be a a workman who can rightly divide the Word of truth yourself. What this means is that my goal, my job, my sole purpose is to teach you, to preach to you so that you know how to prove all things yourself. One thing that we are missing in today's church is discernment. It seems to be absolutely gone. I can tell you why discernment is gone. It's not because God took the gift of discernment and plucked it off of the earth. That's not the case. But it's because we're refusing to use what God has given us to discern. What has God given us to discern? The Bible the Bible is how we discern the times, the seasons, the teachings, and specifically here in the context, it is the Bible that allows us to prove all things, meaning every prophecy, every revelation, everyone that someone comes along and says, God told me to tell you. One, I would say be awful careful with that individual. Two, I would make sure that every word that they say is coming from the Word of God, that it lines up with the Bible, that you would prove these things. That is your job to do the work like the book of Acts with the Bereans, to be faithfully in the Word, studying the Word, so that you can make sure and go, oh, this is what preachers said, this is what so-and-so said, and they said it with authority, but let's see if the only authority actually says and lines up with what they spoke. I, I love it when I actually have some folks, and this happens some, and, and it's happened some lately, and it has absolutely sent me over the moon with the excitement. I've had some folks who have called me or texted me or have stopped me after church and, and asked me something, and they said, hey, uh, last week you were preaching on this, or we were studying this during a, a you know, Sunday school or Wednesday night, right? Well, I went home, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> what was that? I went home, and I got my Bible, and I started studying myself, and I looked. And what you said was right. Well, good. I think it's wonderful. You know why? Because I want you to know how to study the Bible on your own. I want you to know how to prove all these things. Why? Because I'm not going to be with you all the time. Matter of fact, you know what? the only one that's going to be with you all the time is the Lord himself. And so he's given you the word. He's given you a sword to discern, to prove all these things. So make sure that everything that you hear on the radio, uh, on the TV, preaching, uh, here even, every service we got here, everything that you hear that is supposed to be coming from the word of God and to build you up spiritually, make sure that you listen as it comes through the word, that you put your Bible up to your ear. Put your Bible up to your eyes, put your Bible up to your heart, and make sure that everything that comes in comes through this first. This is our filter. This is our authority. This is how we prove all things. Everything is to be tested. We're told in 1 John to try the spirits. What spirits? Try the spirits to make sure that they are of God. Make sure that those that proclaim that they are a preacher are actually preaching the Word of God. If they're not, they're not a preacher. This is why the Bible took prophecy so seriously if we think about the two connecting here. Back in the Old Testament, if a prophet prophesied and it did not come to pass, what did the law say to do? Kill him. I think we ought to probably have about the same thing today. We've got an awful lot of false prophecy. In the past few years, there have been so many false prophets. Back just a couple years ago, we had this huge wave of all these people who said, God came to me last night in a dream. He said that Trump was going to win the election and that he was going to be the president for the next 48 years or all the, all kinds of wild stuff. Did it didn't happen? You know what the Bible says ought to happen to him? Now, that's right. Now, I'm not saying go find and hunt down the guys off TBN. But what I am saying is this that every single one of these folks are going to have to give an answer for what they have prophesied. And we ought to be very careful with what we tell other people and how we present the Word of God because it is a reflection upon God's character. And if if we go around and we start saying, well, the Lord told me this, or I feel that God is telling me this, we'd better be very, very careful. We need to go simply look at what God has spoken and to prove these things. Furthermore, with this, he goes on and he says, not only to prove all things, but then he says, hold fast to that which is good. Well, what is good? Proving all things, prophesying, quenching not the spirit, giving thanks, praying, rejoicing, uh, forgiveness, not running evil for evil, um, helping the weak and, and the feeble-minded, and comforting the un- and, and exhorting the unruly, uh, unruly, and all these things. Right? These are good things. Hold fast to that which is good. We must be firm in holding to faith, uh, holding faithfully to what is good and right. How do we know what is good and right? By proving all things through the preaching of the word. And so through the ministry of the Word of God, we know what is good and we must cling on to it with every fiber of our being. This is what we need. We need the Word. We need to hold fast. Why? Because it is good. Hold on to that which is useful, good, profitable, faithful. And if it's not good, we should probably let it go. Matter of fact, this applies to a whole wide range of things, doesn't it? This applies not merely to good doctrine, hold on to good doctrine. You can have good doctrine without real Bible belief. You can have good doctrine in your mind without ever believing it in your heart, without ever trusting Christ. You must hold to that which is good. What is good? It is good that we believe God. It is good that we believe His Word. It is good that we live by faith. Matter of fact, the just shall live by faith. We find that is the only way in which we are to live our life and and the only way in which we can successfully live our life hold fast cling to that which is good how we know that which is good this book right here then what do we find verse 22 abstain from all appearance of evil well boy this is a fun one (laughs) you know why this is a fun one because everyone has their own opinion about what is evil and what is not y'all it wasn't that long ago that preachers used to preach that if you go to a movie theater, you're going to hell. If you go to a dance hall, if your foot starts tapping before the music, that's dancing. And as it's been said, uh, Miss Cammy's heard this one a time or two. Right, a, a dancing foot and a praying knee don't go together. Oh me, how about this? All sorts of appearance of evil: tattoos, wearing shorts. Ladies wearing blue jeans. (gasps) Sounds like a horror movie. No, of course not. Why? Because what some man thinks evil is not necessarily what God thinks is evil. What is evil? That which is contrary to Scripture. This is why we must prove all things and this is why we must hold on to the revelation of God. This is why we need the Bible. This is why the Bible is our sole authority. We believe sola scriptura. The Scripture alone is our authority. Not just our mere final authority, but it is our only authority. It is the authority of God. And all that we've got to stand on with all these things is this book. Now, every Christian and church must be separate from all forms of evil, which is that which is not right in the eyes of God. Now, this is not just in reference to outward sins, but as well as false teaching. And so to abstain from all appearance of evil not only means... That you should watch the things that you're doing outwardly in your life, right? That you uh, avoid these outward sins that uh, easily beset us, that, that are worldly and fleshly, but that we as well abstain from the appearance of evil, and what else could be more evil than false and wicked teaching? Nothing breaks a pastor's heart more than when he knows that there's somebody who is duped by a false teacher in their church. I've seen folks. Comment on some people's posts who are false teachers, and they go, I sent in my money, did you get it? And I'm going, oh, what in the world are we doing? And they have no idea because they're a false teacher. False teachers come, and they sound real good. They've got just enough to sound right. But they got just enough to lead you way astray. Now here's what we have got to understand, to abstain from all appearance of evil means all sorts of evil things. And it does not mean that you and I determine what is evil. It means that we base that off of what the Bible determines what is evil. And as well, Paul is the same one, not only who writes this, but is the same one that writes about uh, what is sin to one believer, he says, uh, or later on in some of his writings, we see that he says, you got one guy here who says you can have a pork chop sandwich. But his brother in the pew next to him says, oh no, we can't do that. So this brother chooses to not, in front of that brother, eat him pulled pork. And this one, and this one, live together in unity. Now when this one gets home, you bet you, 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 bet you he's frying some bacon, right? He's, he's going to enjoy his liberty. But he's not going to do it at the expense of his brother. What we find is that this one thinks it's evil. That one goes, it's not. But out of respect for my brother, I'm going I'm to be all right with you. Because Why? Because I want to dwell in unity with my friend, with my brother in Christ. So what we find is that as we abstain from all appearance of evil, we have to be careful to listen to what is actually evil and what is not. Now here's the thing. If we could not define it more than likely as good and biblical and right and just and holy, then we should probably be awful careful with how we treat it and how we go about it, right? There's some folks, there's some preachers who would think, That I was in sin and my wife was in sin because we went to the fair the other night. I've heard that preaching before. Now, how many of y'all think I was in sin going to the fair the other night? Anybody? Okay, just one, two? Okay, all right. (laughs) Well, that's fine. (laughs) I saw half the church there, anyways, by the way. (laughs) So he was in sin right with me. But isn't that crazy to think? You see, what does evil mean? Evil means it goes against God's Word. God's Word never told me, don't go to Carroll County Fair, don't watch Lawnmower Racing, and don't eat some deep-fried Oreos. Now, He didn't tell me to go. He didn't say to not. But We must be careful. God has not given us a license to evil or to try to ride a line between evil and good. He has not given us the desire within the life of the Christian Within our heart, it does not come from the Holy Spirit to have us go, let's see how close to the world I can get and how close to God I can become. Because you can't get close to God and close to the world at the same time. To get close to the world means you're going to get farther from God and closer to the world. To get closer to God means you're going to get closer to God and farther from the world. Now, Ultimately, this is a call to a life committed to holiness. We must understand that in the eyes of others, we may appear doing something evil when it may not be the case at all. The greater truth is that we are to be living before the gaze of God of God we live before his face so one may we be careful with how we appear before the Lord and ultimately we remember and understand that the one that we give answer to is the Lord himself with all these things what we find is that God is calling us to a life of holiness motivated by the fact that Christ is coming now because Christ is coming our life ought to be holy it ought to be set apart and set unto the Lord I wonder this morning, do these things, are they evident in our life? Are these things evident in our life this morning? They ought to be. Let's go to the Lord and pray and let's ask Him for help to make sure that we obey His Word. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We, got, we do ask, God, that we would obey your Word that you've given to us here and Lord, that we'd be discerning, that we would be building our lives upon your Word, the truth of your Word alone pray, God, that you would strengthen us, unite us together, that today that you would prepare our hearts for worship, and Lord, that even now that we would begin to worship you, Lord, because of your word that you have faithfully preserved for us and for our understanding. God, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would help us as we gather. Lord, to sing your praises, and God, that you'd be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.